Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle, and this is the Spooky Hour. Can they sue it? No, they can't sue it because it's a it's a parody. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Don't sue us. We love you. That's it. <laughs> That's Hi it. friends. Happy hey. Monday. Happy Monday. Um, as usual, we're still in fucking lockdown, so I don't really have yeah. too much to talk about. I have something to talk about. Oh my god, wait, we do. You have a new president, America. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. And a new we're... beautiful female vice president the first female vice president yeah i love her husband too he calls himself like the he's like the first uh second gentleman oh my god that's amazing because there's never been like a male spouse yeah and like he's not even trying to steal her thunder so he he made a tweet about how he's like so proud to be the first second gentleman but he's like it's also important to note all of the women who held this role before me and all of the impact that they've had in america because it's often overlooked and all this stuff and i was like Damn. damn i'd fuck him too like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like america could be on a, a way better path we hope so i i don't particularly like politicians in general but i mean it's good anything. you guys join the climate change um in Paris oh yeah again. so like you're already off to a really good yeah. start he did some good things right off the bat but most importantly um can we just talk about bernie saunders for a minute oh my god the fucking meme guys i want to go buy his sweater and it's only available to the u.s citizens and i'm very jealous if someone wants to buy danielle that sweater and ship it to her <laughs> i will literally pay you double <laughs> send us a dm and let us know i will pay you fucking... double so the i also love that it uh proceeds go to what is it meals on wheels Meals on wheels yeah. which is really cute we did that for my papa for a while when he refused to cook and only ate hungry man meals so yeah. i really like that organization <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing i mean and all of the proceeds go straight to it so Yep, 100%, I think. Yep. I wish it was available here. Bernie, we love you too. Help us out. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, but on a side note, com- like, back to our stupid fucking country. Oh, um, God, what happened? What did I miss? Oh, my God. you did- We had um, an anti-mask protest in Toronto oh, the other fuck. day. And a bunch of people um, gathered outside the Eaton Center. And if you were there, and if for some strange fucking reason you're listening to this podcast, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> There's been actually quite a few of those uh, yeah. downtown. They haven't been very big, I would say. Like, they're mostly in Young Dundas Square. And yeah. They haven't been super large, which is kind of nice. But, but there's enough just, people like, in there off. to be like, you guys are morons. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just saying it's nice that it's not like, you know, what happened at Capitol Hill where there's yeah. like a mass amount of people. There's probably like a thousand people. But for yeah. Toronto, that's not a very big protest. Yeah. And they're all just like, um, you're impeding our rights and freedoms because freedom. <laughs> uh, of my mask and I don't want to wear my mask and I can't wear a mask because my doctor said so. My mom has COPD and she's a chronic asthmatic. She had her esophagus removed from cancer and she fucking wears a mask and can wear it for up to six fucking hours. So you can wear a fucking mask. That's the end it's of my really fucking rant. It's not that hard. Like, I know it's weird. I know it's uncomfortable. I, for one, have panic attacks when I wear a mask because I'm insane but i deal with it (laughs) so where's it because she's protecting people it's just it's not that hard and i don't understand i think i think it's uh just human nature whenever someone lays down a rule there's always going to be some people that just want to say no i i don't approve of it i don't agree with it but i just i'm so tired of people (laughs) right i just don't understand what they're not seeing you know (laughs) 
My favorite is there's a video of this girl. She's like, um, my doctor said I can't wear a mask because um, I can't breathe. And she's like sitting there like screaming. I'm like, if you can fucking scream that goddamn yeah. loud, you can wear your mask. I've seen I'm people sure walking with oxygen tanks with a mask. <laughs> yeah. Like, of course, there's some people out there that obviously physically cannot wear a mask. And yeah, that's there are different. Few. That's yeah. very different than you Karens out there in this world. I was going to say Kyle. <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really not that hard. I no. mean, I know everything sucks right now. It's hard to find joy in things, but just fucking, we've done it before. It's fine. We'll yeah. get through it. I wear my mask on like when we walk Kylo now because people in my town are stupid. We had one guy who's, we live in front of a field and he was in the field and he's like, stay away from me. Um, I have all the symptoms of COVID and I just got tested yesterday for it while he tells us screaming across the fucking road with no mask on and walking his goddamn dog. That's like, uh, did you see Grimes? Who's and that? uh uh she's a canadian what do i call her like i'll just call her an alternative artist because i don't really know her genre okay. but she's dating to it's dating too she's dating elon musk has his baby oh, and all that stuff that girl okay um so dave so she had covid and it was announced a little while ago and now david chappelle has covid and there's a picture going around of david chappelle with elon musk grimes and joe rogan hanging out backstage at a show no mask no nothing and it's like hmm Wonder how they all got COVID. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, huh? Funny how that works. Just a bunch of fucking dummies. And uh, at the time, allegedly Grimes knew she had COVID when that picture was taken. So the fact that she like knew she had it and still didn't wear a mask is like most selfish. Or also like bitch. not even just wear a mask. Like why are you out at a comedy show? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't understand how people's brains work. I don't get it. They don't, and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that, and I know most everyone. We're just kind of ranging on the, the select few people that do not follow any fucking rules. I feel like at this point we've bitched enough that those people have now left the building. Oh, and I hope I so. Hope. <laughs> Hopefully with a mask. Get the fuck out. <laughs> but yeah, this it sucks going into... I'm having a way harder time with this lockdown than I am with the first one because I'm just... I I cannot believe we've reached this point again. Yeah. We were down to 80 cases in the entire province. Our province is quite vast. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> so the fact that we had 80 cases. And I think now we're we over hit, at like 4,000 now. 3, uh, we're back down to 2,600. Which, Ooh. Ooh, like, Ooh. So it's it's curving down now. But the thing I'm reading the most about is the, the strain on the hospitals. I think we talked about this a little bit last week. Yep. I think that's going to impede the process a lot too because we can't, we can't just open up and then, you know, throw more people in the hospital in a couple months. We have to empty all the hospital beds, I think, first. Yeah. And then start opening stuff up. I think yeah. that's how it's got to be done. I'm not an expert. Just what I'm saying. But yeah but yeah fuck this year happy 2022.0 yeah literally this isn't 2021 Worst. why do you guys listen to us we're so miserable i know <laughs> i wonder if people just like skip over they're kind of like oh they're still talking we'll skip to the murder and the ghosts that's fine i don't mind if people do that someone told me we should put timestamps. stamps i don't know how to do that how much work than... that is oh it's not yeah. a lot of work but that's a lot of work for me and i'm not doing that i don't know how to do it so but yeah just usually just skip to like Fast what forward. 10 minutes in it's fine yeah. We're at eight we don't minutes mind right if you, now. That's fine. Not everybody likes us. It's okay. We're not forcing you to be here. Why are you here then? <laughs> <laughs> we 
we have like the weirdest marketing strategy yeah. strategy we don't strategy have, do we even have one it's kind of go with the flow and fuck it um so my kind of strategy is just like be yourself and hope the right people stick around you know miserable people will stick around with us i mean we've got a lot of them we appreciate got, you guys so oh much. my god we hit fourteen thousand downloads i forgot about that oh, yeah. so like you know you guys like us that much we appreciate so thank you. you for being miserable yeah. with us <laughs> I promise we're not this crusty usually. It's just that this has been an incredible year and a bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I can't speak from, I, yeah, I'm crusty all the time. This is my normal self. No, I would say it's amplified this year. This year has been like peak crustiness, That's I fair. would say. That's, yeah. But I'm still you, crusty. You put your Christmas tree up in July. <laughs> that was like the best time ever. What are you talking about? <laughs> that was like um, the, the peak of my year. You That's were it. really happy. It I was, was really cute. <laughs> it was. And then I got Does that sad mean again. I get to do Halloween in like March now? Uh, not March because it's St. Patrick's Day, but you can have April because I don't like Easter. Fair. I'll take it. Okay, I don't like cool. Easter either. Cool. Everyone serves ham. Ham's gross. I, I can't eat ham, so it's fine. It's gross. It's, it's gross. gross. <laughs> um, so I guess, yeah, we'll go on to the stuff you guys are actually here for now. Yeah. Are we done? We have it all out of our system? Yes. Thank you for coming to our uh, therapy session. We appreciate it. Yeah, we were talking earlier about changing our name to, like, the spooky therapy hour, because really it's just, like, venting it <laughs> most is. of the time. I always feel so damn good after, though. I do, and it makes our, like, our, what we say more fun, because now I'm just all bubbly and happy, and I got all my rants right? out. Right? You're not crusty when you're yeah. doing the actual important stuff, exactly. right? I have had, we have had a couple messages from people being like, I love your rants. I feel that. So, like, you know, you're welcome. We appreciate you. <laughs> we love <Yeah>. your rants. <laughs> Oh my god, if you ever want to rant in our inbox, let's let's do it. We can start like a new uh like Instagram story thing where it's just rants. Oh my god. Whatever you want to rant about. Did your dog pee on your bed? You know Can we start a thread? Uh, Is that what they're yeah, called? Thread. Let's do it. Just rant with us. Perfect. Get it out. Let's, um, yeah. I agree. And now speaking of getting it out, let's talk about murder. Oh, I was going like I went sexual way. I was like, what are we getting out? Like what? Oh, I could get that out too if you'd like. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> My ego. <laughs> so this week I'm doing another unsolved case. Um, I was telling Danielle earlier, I had something else planned, uh, but this one stood out to me because it was A, super duper mysterious, and B, it really pissed me off. Um, so today I'm going to talk about the tragic murder of Lindsay Buziak. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, so Lindsay Buziak was a 24-year-old real estate agent living in Victoria, British Columbia, which Ooh, is in Canadian Canada case. land. Yep. Um, it's I actually... talked to a dealer in British Columbia today. Fun fact. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That's all. Um, as, as BC <laughs> as I went today. I would love to go to BC one day. Um, whenever you see pictures of Canada that look pretty, it's usually either Alberta or BC. Fun fact. Yeah. Uh, that's sometimes the Maritimes. The Maritimes are pretty. That's it's kind of definitely flat. never Ontario. <laughs> No, Ontario is the worst. If you come to Canada, do not visit Ontario. It's boring. Unless you as go fuck. way north, way north, where like way north, like like uh, Thunder Bay. What do you get up there? Forests. It's yeah, like, but it's not Algonquin pretty. on crack. But fair, but there's nothing like. It's just like a forest. It's we all have like, mountains. Yeah, yeah. It's not like iconic. Like like you have like I uh, feel Banff and stuff and like Lake Louise. Don't worry, we have the CN Tower though. <laughs> Fun fact, my papa helped build the CN Tower. Oh, cool. Other fun fact, do not go there because it's boring. It is really boring. Uh, it was kind of nice. Uh, we went in July. We were kind of forced into going. Oh, yeah. Um, I liked the view, but I spent maybe 15 minutes and then I was like, all right, I'm done. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of you know, like it's, a... it's, it's nice, but, you know, that's it. <laughs> I think it's because um, we live here. I feel like everyone that lives here Probably. It. Probably. It's probably way more impressive if you've never seen it before. Um, God, we are so off track. <laughs> so this, this Lindsay woman who lives in British Columbia, which is pretty... Uh, her career was just beginning to bloom and her friends and family all said she was in for a very bright future. Uh, her parents, Jeff and Evelyn and her sister, Sarah, all had nothing but good things to say about her. Uh, they said she was popular, funny, bright, very charming. She seemed like kind of like the popular girl in high school. Like I was looking at some of the pictures that she was very like Jersey shore looking. If that oh makes my God, sense. For it. Um, she seemed to enjoy clubbing and whatnot. So she's she like, seemed a like a fun. Was she a snooky yeah. or a JWoww? She looked more like a Snooky to me. Oh, I'm here for that. I love Snooky. JWoww was so fucking hot to me still, though. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, she had a fairly normal upbringing. Nothing out of the ordinary happened in her formative years. When she was 23, she met a man named Jason Zalo. Zalo? Jason. Xylophone. Um, xylophone um do you know it's so funny i say his last name so much in this and i don't know why i as i was writing it like why am i writing this uh so fuck me and just fuck call him jason i'm just gonna call him jason <laughs> um so their their romance took off really really quickly uh jason came from a long line of successful real estate agents and helped encourage Lindsay to expand into selling more luxur- luxurious homes his mother shirley bought a giant lakefront property and offered it to the two lovebirds they moved in after less than a year of dating one never do that that's like never. a that's fucking awesome though from that mom because wow two oh yeah, you're not gonna like her in a minute i'm sorry i, I still would want a like from property come on fair mom, absolutely fair well, where's my like from property <laughs> no, i'm kidding um but also too bad fucking idea bad move yeah we know where this I, is going i guess i won't say never do that because there's always those like that one random person that's gonna be like um i moved in with my boyfriend after one day and they were married with 10 kids um but are but, you happy you know, probably don't do that i'll say that yeah um so everything seemed wonderful the pair were always happy and smiling but Lindsay's father jeff had some suspicions in an interview with true crime daily he said quote he adored Lindsay, but he was overprotective over possessive jealous and that really bothered Lindsay." um so to sort of clarify here he was never uh there was never any allegations of abuse but it seemed that he was one of those boyfriends that like anytime she left the house he'd like blow up her phone kind of thing oh god um the worst kind. so the worst kind god i could go like two days without talking to carl sometimes i think me and stewart went like two weeks and it was to the point where we kind of just forgot to talk to each other i and i think that's healthy i don't know i just very much like my me time and i like that he respects that i like my me time yeah and plus, with, like, text messaging and social media, it's kind of ruined relationships now. Mm-hmm. Like, back in the day when you didn't have a fucking text message or, uh, like, a text You'd go message. on dates. Yeah, and be, like, talking to people and, like, yeah. one-on-one and, like, not having to worry where everyone fucking is, so. Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned, her career was just starting to take off, uh, so she was very excited when one day she received a cold call unexpectedly from a woman looking to buy a home in an upscale neighborhood within Victoria. It was her dream call. The client had a million-dollar budget, knew exactly what she wanted, and was ready to purchase immediately. Lindsay was looking at raking in quite a pretty commission off of this sale, and it would have been her, like, biggest sale yet. Yeah. 
Uh, however, this exciting moment left Lindsay feeling a little bit unsure. She couldn't place exactly what was bothering her, but something about the call made her feel kind of uneasy. Uh, so first of all, the first red flag, the call came through her personal cell phone, not the business number she had listed on her business card and like the for sale signs. That's sketchy. Um, she did ask the woman about this and the woman said a friend of her father's gave the number to her. So, uh, when Lindsay's dad called his friend, uh, so the woman like gave a name and everything. So he called the friend, but they were un- out of town and unable to answer the call. So they couldn't confirm whether or not the friend did give the number. Okay. Um, but there was a name, which creeped me out. Um, Lindsay called her father later that day and said, quote, daddy, there's something weird I'm sensing about this woman. The woman sounded weird. She noted that the woman who called had a really heavy accent and that she couldn't place where it was from, but that it seemed like really played up or like fake, like she was acting and putting it on. Okay. Um, go with your so, gut, girl. Like you always go always. with your gut. Always. Despite her apprehension, Lindsay did some research and found the perfect home for her prospective buyer. It was on a cul-de-sac called D'Souza Place in Victoria D bc uh the cul-de-sac was very quiet and remote and it only had four houses on the entire street um i looked it up though and damn they're nice houses <laughs> <laughs> uh probably worth well over a million now um jelly on saturday february 2nd 2008 Lindsay was set to meet with her clients at 1702 de place for a showing of the home just before the showing, Lindsay and Jason went to lunch at a local restaurant. Their bill stated that they left around 4.30 p.m. Lindsay was still feeling very uneasy about her new clients, so Jason agreed to swing by and park outside of the home to make sure everything was kosher. Um, he did also offer a couple times to show the home for her, but because the deal was so big, she said no. Okay. Uh, but this is kind of fishy when you find out what happens later, so I'm kind of... We'll go back to that. Um, so the two parted ways at the restaurant, and Jason headed to an auto shop to pick up his buddy for surveillance uh lindsey stopped at home to change before her showing jason sent her a text around 5 30 p.m to let her know that he was running late and cc footage from the uh sorry cctv footage from the auto shop confirmed his story so he was there at 5 30 okay um Lindsay arrived to the house alone and anxious. She sent Jason several text messages over the next few minutes expressing her concerns. Uh, witnesses spotted a couple walking through the cul-de-sac at approximately 5.30 p.m. This is weird because why are you spending a million dollars on a house and walking to the, ho- sh- the home showing? Yeah. Why wouldn't you, you just know, like, drive like, up there? where you come from? Um, so keep that in mind. Um, they noted a woman wearing a dress with a distinct pattern, which I think I can post. I saw a picture. I just got to make sure it's like copyright friendly and all that stuff. Um, either way, it's an ugly dress. Uh, (laughs) the witnesses saw Jessica shake hands with the pair and, uh, the lockbox of the home is accessed at 529 according to electronic records. Uh, approximately at the same time, Jason sent a text to Lindsay saying, quote, I'll come meet you and I'll be 10, 15 minutes or so. To which Lindsay replied, quote, okay, I'll see you in a bit. I gotta go. The Mexicans are here, which is what I guess what? she called the clients. <laughs> That's um, the accent she thought it was, I guess. I think so. Um, <laughs> I think okay. so. Um, so anyways, what happened next was truly horrific. Uh, at 5.38 p.m., Jason sent a text that said, just a couple of minutes away. 
the text was never opened. Now, this next part here is a little wishy-washy. So, according to Detective Sergeant Horsley, who was working the case, and an interview that was published by Dateline, this was the last uh, text Jason sent to Lindsay. However, in the 911 call, which I will get to in a minute, Jason tells the operator that he sent her a text at 6.05 p.m. asking if she was okay. Huh. So, I don't know why they're lying about whether or not that was the last text but someone is lying somewhere okay um details are pretty scarce here but from jason's perspective he said he waited 20 minutes after his first text and then he became worried and decided to check on Lindsay himself when he approached approached when he approached (laughs) he approached it real good when he approached the front door he noticed Lindsay's shoes on the floor in the front hallway but the door was locked and no one was answering his repeated knocks and yells uh now in a full panic, he called 911. While on the line, his colleague went around into the backyard and noticed the back patio door was left wide open as if someone had just run out the back. Um, it's also important to note when Jason pulled in, he saw the people who were looking at the home. So he did get like a, a description. There was like a, the guy was like six foot tall and the woman was blonde and that's all he got. Okay. So he knew someone was in the home with her. Okay. Blonde and ugly dress. Got it. That's all you need to know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he entered the home. So the guy went around out back and went through the back door and let Jason in the front door. The two men then ran upstairs to find Lindsay in the master bedroom in a pool of her own blood. Oh, my God. Yeah. She had been stabbed several times and was pronounced dead at the scene. The autopsy would later reveal that Lindsay did not have any defensive wounds on her body, which leads investigators to believe that she was either attacked from behind or was, like, so surprised that she just didn't have time to defend herself. Okay. Um, nothing was stolen from the scene or from Lindsay's personal belongings, and there were no signs of sexual assault found during the autopsy. Um, also important to note, there was no suspect DNA found anywhere throughout the home. So these people were walking through the home doing a showing and were careful enough to not leave any DNA. Um, it's like they planned it or something. They're like, eh? <laughs> oh my God. She's getting there. <laughs> have, uh, this is probably going to be so sidetracked. Well, not really, but have, I forget what it's called, but there's a movie that's like that. Where this person goes to open houses and then kills people in the open houses. I wonder if it's based on this. Is it newer? It's it's pretty new, yeah. Oh, interesting. And I'm pretty sure I watched it on like Netflix or something. I'll have to get the name of it. I don't remember, but it was actually kind of creepy. It makes me never want to do an open house. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so Jason and his colleague were taken in for questioning, but were later released. Investigators assumed their suspects were the strange new clients Lindsay had met that day. Uh, they started by looking into the cell phone that was used to contact Lindsay. They found out it was a burner phone and it was purchased in November 2007, but not activated until late January 2008. Lindsay's murder didn't take place until February 2008, which means this was planned well in advance. That's crazy. The first few calls with the clients were traced to mainland Vancouver, BC. So for those who don't know, Victoria is an island. Um, so they were originally on the mainland which is vancouver uh the phone did not ping off of victoria until 20 or 24 hours prior to Lindsay's murder the phone was never used after that day in february uh so investigators described this murder as being similar to a mafia hit because of this detail the burner phone the lack of dna uh the fact that they were in and out killed her and went this was all signs of like a sort of formal hit put out on Lindsay. yeah um so Jason was released and was never listed as a suspect, but Lindsay's father, Jeff, did have his suspicions, as I said before. Um, Lindsay had confessed only six weeks prior to her murder about her, like, rocky relationship and all of the red flags she was now seeing. Yeah. Um, 
And that was kind of a big warning sign for her father. Uh, He also kind of questioned Jason's actions on the day of her murder. If Jason had never been to this house before and was not privy to the layout, how did he know to run straight up the stairs to the master bedroom? And how did he know that's where Lindsay's body would be found? So this quote unquote evidence is purely hypothetical, but I thought it was a worthy point to make. Um, Some people will argue that because they were in the same real estate office, like Jason and uh, Lindsay worked together, that he might have like looked at the blueprint. But I, I believe he said that he never saw a blueprint. And at the same time, like you cannot, you can know a blueprint of a house. How would you know know that she's in there? Yeah. She could have been in any room and he just happened. It's it's like that JonBenet Ramsey thing. How did he know to look in the basement? Like my first Um, like, like instinct, if I was in the house and the back door was open, I'd be like, did she fucking leave? Like, where did she go? Yeah. You start room by room, right? Like I would do the whole first floor and then like, I wouldn't just run right upstairs. Like she's dead Uh, in the bed. Let's go there. Yeah. Like he knew. Or did he? Um, It says x-ray vision. You can see through the floor. (laughs) <laughs> super um so another interesting thing about our friend jason is his lifestyle versus his income so jason acquired his real estate license in 2006 and his mortgage broker's license in 2007 uh, he was 24 years old at the time uh, it was uncertain what he did for a living prior to 2007 so he had no prior job listings that's uh, 24 years old <laughs> um, so jason sold three homes in 2007 and two in 2008 not enough income to even make a living apparently um which i think is because you have to pay a lot to be a real estate agent okay. like just to start you need like twenty thousand dollars of your own income for, for like signs and all that shit okay um so he was not making any in like uh profit at this point yet his attire and the vehicles he drove portrayed him as a realtor making three hundred thousand dollars a year so he was very flashy always driving nice sports cars always wearing nice suits and stuff so where was he getting all of this extra cash from was it his uh, mom? i was gonna say there is the possibility that he was still living off of his parents because they were very well-off real estate agents they bought him a fucking lakefront house yeah or was he involved with something a little more sinister as i carry on you will see what i mean um, when asked about Jason's possible involvement, Detective Sergeant Horsley said, quote, Mr. Zylo and his Jason. friend, Jason, uh, were under intense police scrutiny. However, Mr. Jason was cooperative with police. He also partook in a polygraph exam and he passed. So? Based on... F- yeah based on forensic evidence timeline of communications witness testimony video surveillance we know he's not the killer end quote um so the that's a bold statement to say because like you can say that he doesn't you right now you don't have anything but you can't sit there and be like just rule him out completely when you don't have anybody else yeah i would not rule jason out completely at all and you'll see why yeah because he was there that's i'm I'm not saying you just like name someone off the street but i mean he's there yeah so um you'll see a little bit more i kind of left this part out but i want to talk about it a little bit so jason uh and his entire family all had very clear alibis for this day but that raised suspicions because it was like they kept well thought out they kept exactly so it was almost like they had planned uh alibis if that makes sense um, and to continue Detective Sergeant Horsley's quote, he says, quote, was he perhaps somehow involved in the planning? Well, he successfully passed a polygraph and he successfully took part in all of these interviews with us. So at this point in time, he's not considered a suspect. I disagree. We'll go on. 
with the boyfriend ruled out and no other suspects, the police drew blank. Lindsay was very well liked and had no enemies known to her friends or her family. So why would someone want her dead? There's a few theories here, none of which have been proven, but are interesting leads nonetheless. Uh, the main theory involves a trip to Calgary that Lindsay made in December of 2007, just a few months before her murder. While on this trip to Calgary, Lindsay reached out to an old friend from high school, Erickson Delalcazar grew up in Victoria, but moved to Calgary full-time to pursue his career of drug dealing and general gang-related activities. Uh, the Delalcazar family and their associates were well-known in Calgary for their long list of crimes. Um, so they were kind of... I didn't know that Canada had, like, mafia families, but we fucking do. Yeah. They are so not they Italian. Like, hmm. No. <laughs> I learned that last week. <laughs> So they were kind of like a well-known mafia family, for lack of a better term, in Calgary. Um, Investigators don't know why Lindsay reached out to him. They don't know the nature of the messages. They could just see that there was a contact, apparently. But they do believe that this could be the reason for her murder. Uh, Shortly after this trip, Erickson and 13 members of his crew were arrested in one of the biggest drug busts in the history of Calgary police. Ten days later, Lindsay was killed. Uh, rumors started to fly about an alleged police informant who spilled precious information to the cops. This informant was traced back to Victoria, BC. Could Lindsay have been the one to spill the beans? So again, it starts to get a little bit wishy-washy here, so just bear with me. Uh, Allegedly, the real informant was a woman who just happened to work with Lindsay at the real estate office named Rianne Garcia. She was dating one of the members of this crime ring, a man named Vid Acevedo, which looks a lot like Avocado, um, which (laughs) was not at all suspicious. Um, After Lindsay's murder, Rianne told anyone who would listen that she quit her job because she was afraid of the Zaylo family, so Jason's family, yet she was never able to explain why. Uh, when interviewed, Rianne said, quote, when I was told about Lindsay's death, I knew the Zaylala had killed her before he was, was even told how she died. Uh, quote, the Zaylos are pure evil. Uh, Rianne refused to cooperate with the police, even denying their request for a polygraph. She was never charged or named as a suspect. Um, again, it's also not confirmed that she was an informant. That's just a rumor at this point. I want to reiterate that a lot of these are rumors and allegations because I don't want to get sued. Um, Why wouldn't, like, so- the cops, like, keep an eye on her, though, if she's, like, refusing to do all and, like, like cooperating and stuff like that? Um, I think this is a case that involves some police corruption. Okay. Because there's, there's a lot like of... It. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of very obvious leads that, I don't know, I would have followed. So I'm thinking it's something along those lines where they're either working with uh, one of the gangs or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so now this brings us to Shirley Zailo, the mother of Jason. Yeah, the mother of Jason. That's his name. Uh, she actually was the manager of the real estate office where Lindsay worked. Uh, So she has had a cloud of suspicion over her for a few years now. It was noted uh, in some blogs that I read that she often traveled with undercover police security after Lindsay's murder. But why? What did she need protecting from? Um, So again, this is not confirmed. This was a blog post I saw where someone noted that they saw Shirley walking around with someone dressed in plain clothes, but was like, you know, constantly like touching their ear. Like private security. Yeah. Mm. Um, The rumor here is that Shirley was... either was the informant or was working with members of Erickson's gang to get him arrested. Uh, She was known to meet with several members of this group and even rented a property to a prominent member of a different gang. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Then there's Jason's incomes. Were the Zaylos more involved with the gang than they let on? Was this how Jason was keeping up his lavish lifestyle? So rumor one is that she was working with the gang. 
Okay. Rumor two involves Shirley's tenant. So she rented out a property to a man named Zachary Matheson, who was a drug dealer, general criminal, et cetera, et cetera. His supplier was the Hells Angels, whereas the Delcazar family dealt with Mexicans. Uh, So remember the caller with the accent? And she called them Mexicans. Um, So they were like sort of rival gangs, but like kind of left each other alone as long as they weren't stepping on each other's toes. Okay. Um, There are rumors, though, that Zachary learned of a drug movement involving the Del Cazar family, and he was the one that snitched in order to prevent the Del Alcazars from moving in on his turf. Uh, Shirley was quite close with Zachary. She rented a unit to him, another home next door to his friend, and a third home that remained empty, except for Zachary's giant stash of drugs. Uh, Zachary was eventually arrested in 2013, um, and at the time, Shirley denied having any knowledge of drug trafficking in her rental properties, even though one house was literally just full of drugs. (laughs) Why do you need to rent this property out? Or, like, what are you going to put in here? Not drugs. Yeah. So the second rumor here is that she was actually involved with this rival gang and was helping to protect Zachary and his associates by giving them a house to live in and uh, protecting their drugs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So the rumor here is that Shirley and Zachary teamed up to snitch on the Delalcazar family. Uh, When the gang in Calgary traced the snitch back to Victoria, Shirley and Zachary panicked and devised a plan. Again, this is just a rumor, not a confirmed theory. Rumor, fake, allegation. They allegedly gave the foreign callers Lindsay's personal cell phone number and used their connection to the real estate office to set Lindsay up to take the fall. They knew the callers were hitmen and uh, heavily suggested the large house on the quiet cul-de-sac to lead Lindsay to her death instead of their own. Uh, once Lindsay was dead, the Delalcazar family would think the informant was dead and would leave Shirley and Zachary alone. They then used the police protection to avoid any retaliation from the Del Alcazar family. So they're basically using her as a doormat here. This is so messy. Yeah, it's so messy. Um, again, hypothetical, Theories. not confirmed. But I found a very suspicious fact from a case file. Uh, later in 2008... A close friend of Lindsay's, who goes by just Nikki in this article, claimed that she was awoken by a call in the middle of the night from an unknown number. She was half awake and claimed she didn't fully comprehend what the woman on the other line was saying. She was awake enough, though, to note that the woman was speaking in a very thick accent. She hung up and tries to tried to doze back off, but something in her brain clicked and she shot right out of bed. She remembered her friend Lindsay being afraid of a woman who called her and spoke in a thick accent just before her murder. So she woke up and dialed the number up to 30 times until finally someone answered. The someone who answered the phone was Shirley Zaylo. Huh. Nikki asked Shirley why she called her and how she had her number. As they didn't really know each other, they kind of like knew who each other were, but never were social with each other. Okay. Um, Shirley replied that she meant to call another Nikki, her secretary, and that she didn't know why this Nikki's number was in her phone and presumed that her son must have put it there. Shirley has denied this call and it's not known if investigators followed up on this interesting lead. Uh, What's great about phone calls? um, Most Tracing them? Trace your phone calls. (laughs) So. Yeah. You'd think. Um, unfortunately, this is where the case grows cold. It's been 13 years and investigators are right where they started back in February of 2008. Lindsay's father, Jeff, refuses to give up on the case and actually runs a website called lindsayboosiakmurder.com, uh, which I got 
uh, a lot of these sort of rumors and theories came from that site because he's got this timeline and he's he's bold so he has um he posts any leads he gets he posts pictures he posts evidence he uh calls members of gangs out by their name and is even bold enough to post their their pictures holy crap Uh, he said he's been threatened by several lawsuits but so far no one's followed through uh quite frankly uh he's risking his life to find out who who killed his daughter and i gotta say that's a fucking badass yeah that's an amazing dad first off the latest blip in this case came in August 2017 when someone hacked Jeff's website and posted the following public message, quote, I killed Lindsay and stupid cops will never prove it, end quote. That's it. Fucking asshole, man. Who does that? So my theory, I think that Jason's family was involved and I think they were involved with one of the gangs. I'm not sure which one, but that's the theory i'm leaning towards there's definitely some third party gang going on here that's yeah these people involved in they were far too wealthy had far too clean of alibis uh you know something just is off yeah and it's also like all having those alibis it's kind of scary because it makes me think that like you've done this before (laughs) yeah and if if hypothetically they are involved in these gangs and are privy to how hitmen work they very well could have done this before. Also, like, imagine the person that's selling that home. <clears throat> like, that's your house. And Try to someone... sell it afterwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the last time we did a showing here. Someone died. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that case really pissed me off. because That like, makes me really mad. It seems like she, uh, every article I read reiterated that she herself was never into drugs, was never into any sort of illegal activity, had nothing to do with these gangs, and yet was still somehow the one trapped in the in end it. yeah exactly yeah so i don't know what deal went wrong where if she was the actual informant but i think there's a lot of players involved in this case yeah and- it's very wide and with you know what that's the worst part about cases like this it's there's so many avenues and there's so many theories and it's so widespread with so many different groups that could possibly be like involved yeah that unless someone like comes out with hardcore evidence it's not going to get solved unfortunately yeah unfortunately and like you know mafia hitmen are mafia hitmen for a reason yeah <laughs> they're good at what they do these people left zero evidence other than this burner phone that was already tossed out you yeah, know exactly <laughs> so, exactly it's a shame i would like to see this case solved i don't see it because like i said i think there is some police corruption a little mm-hmm. bit um, and I also really... sometimes there's um like uh, especially with like gangs they might have ties with the police yeah that's so i didn't really find any solid evidence of that but just the the way that this this sergeant seemed to be like ride or die for jason um the way that you know they got this huge drug bust biggest drug bust of the year but like a girl died and like they just didn't care i don't know just really really weird i wouldn't be surprised if the police were somehow involved with shirley and like her pal zachary yeah that's kind of where i'm leaning and I think they all sort of work together to to bust the Dil Alcazar family. Yeah. And yeah, poor Lindsay just got stuck in the middle. That's my working theory. If you have a theory, let me know. If it's you have any evidence, crazy. let the Victoria police know. Also let <laughs> Lindsay's dad know. Yeah, this poor guy. The website's still there if you guys want to scroll through it. Is it's it still um, hacked? No. No, no, no. Okay. He did get it back. Um, um, I don't think there's very many new updates, but yeah. My fiance's a web developer, so... I'm going to talk to him after this. <laughs> We're going to fix that website, Jeff. Hell yeah. We got this for you. That's adorable. 
we're here for Lindsay's justice yeah it made me sad because it just it really seemed like she just was ignorant to everything going on around her like she probably had no idea she didn't like that guy she reached out to erickson i don't she probably didn't even know he was a gangster she was probably just like hey old buddy you know what i yeah. mean like she just seemed very innocent yeah and that's why it pissed me off like god forbid she'd be nice to people like, i know i know and it just the whole situation like this was gonna be her biggest sale she's a new real estate agent you know yeah she has a boyfriend that's so fucking jealous of shit that she has to deal with like fuck that yeah poor girl so i would like to see justice um i don't have the victoria police's number but you know if you have anything that could help this case yeah <laughs> find them let's do it let's help jeff and Lindsay because that's the most important part of this whole story absolutely mostly jeff jeff makes me sad like he just really seems to want he like there's pictures of him like protesting outside of like uh like police headquarters and stuff with signs oh my god i would join say, like, it. what happened to Lindsay? oh absolutely yeah he seems like really really diligent and it's right yeah. in the feels well of course he wants to know what happened to his freaking daughter absolutely there's sort of like um the two types of of uh like victims families there's the the jeffs who go all in for their whole life like that's their whole life now is trying to find out yeah. what happened and then there's like the sad ones who just kind of like just not that they give happen. up but it's just yeah unfortunately because not everybody has the resources i guess exactly right? yeah and i'm it's sure sad. it takes a lot stop killing people man. right Innocent <laughs> although we'd have no too. podcast without that <laughs> i mean i'd be a better world it would be a better world i agree you can just have a hippie <laughs> blog it's fine we'll just have a happy podcast i wonder what that would be like yeah <laughs> let's be serious it's never gonna happen believe in yourself <laughs> <laughs> and with that is it time to get spooky it's time to get spooky but also talk about prison because why not oh, we like a good prison ha- we like a good haunted prison right i love a good haunted uh, prisons and hospitals are probably like my favorite because it's like yeah. the most tormented souls so it's usually like the most fucked up stories yeah so today we're going to talk about a pen- penitentiary we're going to talk about the West Virginia Penitentiary. Ooh. And I can't say that. that pen, I'm not saying penitentiary every single two seconds. So I'm just going to call it a hard pen. word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be pen. Um, so this um, prison is located in Moundsville, West Virginia. And we all know my routine by n- Yeah. Right. Um, we all know my routine by now. We go with the history and then get into the spookies. So... During the Civil War, West Virginia was in, like, dire need of a public institution, which includes prisons. Um, This led Governor Arthur Borman to lobby for a state penitentiary, but was denied a bunch of times because it fucking costs a shit ton of money. (laughs) And they're in a civil war, so they're just like, huh, no. Um, So a lot of prisoners had to be sent, like, out of state or held in, like, overcrowded jail, like, county jails, um, because there was just literally nowhere else to put them. So in 1865, um, in the city of Wheeling, which is also in West Virginia, just it's near Moundsville, it was like their jail was so overcrowded that inmates had ended up escaping. Um, <laughs> yeah. So now because of this, governor they just couldn't tell who was missing. <laughs> yeah, they were just like, okay, we fucking lost at least nine people, but now we don't know who these nine people were because they were just so overcrowded. Um, so now after this happened, Governor Arthur Borman, original idea to build a state pen, um, started to really get its motors going. Um, it got approved. Um, the state purchased land in Moundsville to build what is now called the West Virginia Penitentiary. Um, the land was about 10 acres and there was a temporary wooden makeshift prison built to house prisoners there for the time (laughs) being while a shed, (laughs) basically, (laughs) 
You're going from this overcrowded county jail Whoa. to this fucking shed. Okay. Put him in the shed. Put him in the shed. Um, so they were put there while for the time being while the state pen was being built. So this penitentiary was built purely on inmate labor. And of course. Yeah. And some inmates, um, and it's like the same like inmates that they stuffed inside this like makeshift shed. Um, so now once the state pen was built, it was massive. So it definitely has like a really like gothic vibe going on. Like I'm totally here for it. Yeah. So the second floor was a hospital. The third floor housed female inmates. The fourth floor was a fully, like fully for the warden and his family. So basically they lived there. Oh yeah. So imagine (laughs) like growing up living with like your warden dad and being like, yeah, I live at the state pen. Raising a family in a fucking overcrowded prison. Yeah. Like in like grade three. Sure. I'm sure they fucking did. Um, so totally, again, like totally normal for a child to grow up in those kind of conditions. Heavy fucking sarcasm there. <laughs> like, that's totally fine. Like, hey, Billy, where do you live? I live in state prison. <laughs> My best friend's My a drug dealer. people. Yeah. So the building obviously had an area called the North Wing. At that time, it was built. It was um, a kitchen slash dining room slash chapel. Casual. What? Yeah. Casual. <laughs> Um, this Do it was, all. <laughs> yeah. This was changed in the 1890s. Um, so this area was like more cells because who the fuck needs to be fed? We don't need this kitchen. Get the fuck out of here. We just need cells. <laughs> um, so when the state pen opened up, it housed 251 inmates. Like, what were you guys doing back then in West Virginia that you guys kept getting fucking arrested? Like, one. I think there was, like, they just arrested everyone for everything. They really did. They arrested everyone for everything, but also, like, work better on not getting caught. That's my issue. <laughs> Over the years, more expansions were built and more amenities were... Amenities? Amenities. Amenities. Yeah, that's it. Nananami. That's why I kept thinking of Finding Nemo and I was like, I'm going to fuck this up. (laughs) (laughs) Good God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Oh my God. Um... So they had they added like electricity, steam heat. They had like two water wells. They also had a um, carpentry, paint, wagon, brickyards, blacksmith, and tailor shops that inmates were able to work at. Um, they all had they had um, more than this. Like so, there was obviously more shops than that. But this gave the inmates something to do more than just sitting in like their jail cell. And they worked at these shops. They literally worked, which is like so nice. You can't sit in your jail cell, but we put you to work. Yeah. <laughs> Free labor Although I asshole. guess for some people it's like the social, social. Oh my god, socialization. Back in the eighteen hundreds, I don't think they fucking cared, Holly. Fair. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So these little shops also took in like really good profit for the prison as well. They ended up building a school and a library, library, whatever. <laughs> And then, I was going to let it happen. <laughs> in the 1900s, and education was said to be made a huge priority for these inmates. They had a band, a baseball team, they had church services. So it doesn't sound like too bad of a prison from the outside of it. When you're like saying it all, it's kind of like a little community. Like, yeah, so far I'm not seeing any any spook. Yeah, you have like your shop. Other than the overcrowding in the shed. <laughs> oh, that's gone because they built their own Oh, right, prison. right, right. Yeah. Also, if you're an inmate and you're building your own prison, build fucking ways to get out. Literally. Like i know leave a big hole somewhere and then just like patch it up with bricks on the outside or something yeah or just make one side like really soft so you can get the fuck out of there really soft <laughs> like there's so many just ways don't put out. any cement between the bricks and then just yeah you know there's so many ways out. i have no idea how building things works i don't know if anybody can tell yeah no <laughs> just do it properly next time 
Um, so now, during all of this, the warden stated that the prison conditions were immaculate, which is a heavy word to use. And yeah. the warden is quoted saying, I quote, the quantity and quality of the purchases of material, food, and clothing have been very very gradually but steady improved while the discipline has become more nearly perfect and the exaction exaction of labor less stringent end quote so basically what i get from this is that their shops are making pretty damn good fucking profit at the fact they're using prisoners for free labor that's pretty much it that's all usually yeah that's how you make a good profit (laughs) yeah we're so immaculate because we don't have to pay our workers he basically just used a lot of big words to say i'm an asshole yeah basically (laughs) so there's an expert or um of like a report from the warden or like one of the wardens i'm assuming they change roles every once in a while um from like the 1920s and it just describes from when like the inmate shows up and then goes to like leave so like in like the in-between so basically like their lifespan in this prison um so it's really fucking long and i'm not reading it all so i'm just gonna kind of try to <laughs> summarize it so everything i next say like say is pretty much from this like um this report but i've just condensed it a bit nice um so once the prisoner shows up they're given a serial number and they bathe have their hair cut and given clothes dependent on the season so if it's like summer they get light clothes if it's winter they get like heavier clothes um they are seen by physicians who know any and i quote defects um, like that's literally the word that's used wow. <laughs> um like i fucking hate the 1900s um so the deputy warden completes the record by stating the inmates like sex age habits religion and any previous like prison records um they are then photographed and given a job at one of those little shops on the property they have to work nine hours a day except saturday afternoons sundays and holidays when wow. they are yeah when they are being discharged from the prison so when they finally serve their time they are given, and I quote, citizen clothes, um, transportation, <laughs> and a cash allowance of a whole $3. Holy fuck. Yeah. And they said they might have, like, credit from, like, office work. Um, f- so for when they're working in those shops. But it's only shops, like, it's only when they work overtime. So past those nine hours. Oh, that's so fucked up. Yeah. And it's just, like, credit. So, like, they come in, or they come out of prison, and, like, with some money to like support themselves and any family members that was like their idea yeah and sometimes they say they and i quote they had several hundred dollars in credit so imagine being in prison for 10 fucking years and you come out with 100 bucks because you worked overtime like every single day of your life i'd be so mad i mean i guess it's a different time like it might have been exciting at the time yeah no but you only get that you only get that credit for overtime so after those nine hours I'm going to tell you straight up, though, if I ever get put in prison, I'm going to be one of the ones that hangs myself with the bed sheets. I can't. I oh, d- fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's not for me. No. I'll fucking, like, drown myself in the toilet. I don't even care. Yeah. That's no. not me. We're dark, but, like, I know my limits. I can't survive that. No, I'd get beaten up. I'd so get beaten up, and I would die. I don't even think I'd get beaten up. I just think the pure, like, I think I would just die of, like, sadness. <laughs> like, I'd be scared. I'd be so... First of all, I hate being around other people. I very much, like... Me you have to time, pee like in front said. of people like you gotta pee in front of each shower with other people there's no privacy in a prison that would drive me mental yeah no so just don't commit any crimes you're fine i'm trying <laughs> so far so good yeah um so now obviously over the years more expansions happened the women's ward was actually moved to a different building altogether um overcrowding started happening again at this pen um men were rooming up with t- um up to three men so there'd be three men in a cell 
Um, there was a bunk bed. So two men would be on this bunk bed and one would have to sleep on a mattress on the floor. So very cozy. (laughs) So they obviously did some more inmate labor and, uh, they made them build an expansion. Again, you guys build the fucking way out. (laughs) God. Um, by the 1950s, the state penitentiary was deemed one of the top 10 most violent correctional facilities in the country. By this time, conditions worsened, as you can imagine. Overcrowding was still very much a problem, even though they expanded and continued to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if you didn't arrest people for stupid fucking shit, this wouldn't be a problem, <laughs> but... That's still a problem to this day. They'd probably, like, this guy lost his chick and arrest him. I would love to see Joe Biden pardon all of the people who are in there on, like, petty marijuana charges. Yeah. I agree. And, like, fucking come down with a goddamn hammer on the people that were at the Capitol Hill and they all just get life sentences. Fuck you. I would love that. Yeah. You can can take the people who have life sentences for weed, you get their fucking life sentence. Exactly. Because I feel like dealing weed is, like, a little bit less bad than, like, I don't know, killing people on federal property. Yeah. (laughs) So, here we are. Um, so on November 7th, 1979, there was a massive prison break. 15 inmates escaped during this, which is huge, especially if you you have overcrowding. That's a lot. Um, so one of these inmates was Ronald T. Williams. During his escape, he stole a prison guard's gun and ran into Philip S. Kesner. Um, he was an off-duty state trooper. Ronald shot and killed him. Um, Philip was only 23 years old. Um, Ronald remained at large for 18 whole months and made the FBI's top 10 most wanted. Uh, Ronald was on Good for him, <laughs> right? Like I'm shaking my head just so everybody knows. He's like, and my mom thought I would never amount to anything. Top 10. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so Ronald was on a rampage from his escape, like right from the day of his escape from his, the penitentiary. He was involved in robberies and a shootout with federal agents inside of a hotel in New York city in 1981. Um, so he was out for at least two yeah. years, 18 months. So during this, he was, uh, during that shootout, um, with federal agents, he was arrested and sent right back to West Virginia. I'm pretty sure this dude is still alive. Oh, really? Rotting in a West Virginia jail. So this penitentiary did get shut down, but he's somewhere in West Virginia still rotten. He's, I, last time I checked, like crazy. The last you report of him was that, 2018. Like, so he's still alive. Wow. Mm-hmm because 79 really wasn't that long ago no but like you know how i always say that like some people can be rehabilitated i don't think he's one of them no i don't think so either <laughs> the fact that he got out was just like let's fuck shit up yeah like- <laughs> right from the beginning he's just like fuck this <laughs> Um, so by 1986, there was over 2,000 inmates. So obviously wow. overcrowding was a fucking big issue. Yeah. Which resulted in a plumbing issues. Can't even fucking imagine. <gasps> oh no. Yeah. They just shit too much. Yeah. Insect inf- infestations were then an issue. And apparently God, uh, God's fuck. Apparently guards just weren't doing their jobs. They were just like, no, there's too much shit in this place. I am not doing my job. I honestly can't blame them. Like, it's probably unsafe for them at some point, right? It's disgusting. So on January 1st, 1986, there was a riot. 20 prisoners stormed the food hall and attacked some officers and a food service worker. This lasted more than two days and they kept these officers and food service workers as hostages. During this riot, three inmates were killed, but none of the guards or the food service worker were injured thankfully but like at the same time three inmates were killed wow yeah um the same year in 1986 the west virginia supreme court ruled that the state of this penitentiary and keeping them 
keeping like three men in a five by seven foot cell to be cruel and unusual punishment um but not like the overflowing toilets it was the overcrowding. yeah <laughs> it's the cells that did it in yeah so this i will say that is tiny for three men oh fuck yeah that's insane yeah um this caused inmates to be shuffled around and the population of like the prison went from 2000 down to 600 and oh, 19- wow. yeah so they started to like get on track in 1995 they were finally completely shut down and the facility closed um so now this place was open for 119 years and during those many, many, many people died, approximately 998 inmates died inside wow. the prison. 36 of those were homicides. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a big number. That's a very big number. Um, from 1899 to 1958, 94 inmates were executed inside the prison. Out of mm. those 94, 85 of them were executed by hanging. These, yeah, these Gross. hangings were all public. And up until the execution of Frank here, on June 19th, 1931, Frank was set to be hung for murdering his wife. Now he was standing with only like, so he was standing with only like the noose around his neck when Mm -hmm. the trap door opened and he fell. So he was executed as he should. However, he was instantly decapitated. (gasps) Yeah. So the state was all, ooh, yeah. Disgusting, right? Can you imagine being like a nine-year-old there like holy shit okay so i was gonna say like but like before we got to this point the whole time i've been thinking is like can you imagine like going to watch one of those things like i never understood people who watch like public executions that's what i mean but like can you imagine specifically being at that one? yeah <laughs> like i like how the states all like ooh, that may be too brutal for the public like that's decapitations just way too fucking brutal but pe- like watching them die and hang is okay and struggle for a bit but decapitation when the head comes off though the line is crossed yeah the line's crossed <laughs> so after that they're just like yeah no more public hangings we're still going to do hangings but they're not public <laughs> yeah way too extreme for these four-year-olds to watch um Jesus christ <laughs> but they can live inside the prison with the ward and it's fine um so it makes sense <laughs> it doesn't make fucking sense the fucking 1800s no one makes sense <laughs> so um so frank wasn't the last one to be hung obviously however um that was bud peterson he ended up being um buried on the prison cemetery on site because his family wouldn't claim his body um but so bud peterson was the last person to be hung there so once they got bored of hanging people they went to electrocution um because it was more humane apparently (laughs) i don't know that's literally what it says it's i don't know if you've ever like seen people post execution it's not it ain't i mean either way you do it it's not humane so yeah i'm not a huge fan of the death sentence that being said i feel like if i had a kid one day and someone like touched my kid like they'd get the death sentence it's a very weird thing yeah oh they wouldn't get the death sentence i would just kill them yes no that would be their death sentence would be me killing them yeah (laughs) it's it's very weird because i don't like the eye for an eye idea but then like some people do something so shitty that you're like you want them dead sometimes you just need that eye man so yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so nine inmates were killed by electrocution um bodies that weren't claimed um were buried in the cemetery which was like 3.5 miles east of the prison um so it's still on the the prison property but it's not like you just open the back door and you're like you're like cemetery hello um so the state pen also has some of the most violent killers and rapists at at like the time throughout it being open most didn't leave this place alive um so either they were killed or they got like they were executed or they got killed in prison 
So the building is now actually a training facility of some sorts, but it's also a tourist attraction. So you can go on ghost tours. You can do a private ghost tour overnight. (gasps) I've always wanted to try it last summer overnight. I want to see how long, like if I tap out. Yeah. I feel like if I'm with you, you won't let me tap out. Yeah. I feel like if we're with (laughs) each other, we won't let each other tap out. Yeah. You make me ballsier. Like when we went to to the camp thing, like... When you went downstairs, I was like, well, now I have to go downstairs. Like, <laughs> like it just has to happen. Yeah. Um, but it cost like a thousand bucks, but like totally worth it. I'd totally go. Whatever. So it was like an island vacation. <laughs> yeah. I could stay overnight in a fucking haunted prison. This is great. Um, so that's a bit of the history. Um, so now on to like the ghosts. Um, and this place has some fucking crazy ones. So there have been reports of paranormal activity happening at this place since the 1930s. So there was a rumored inmate wandering like the maintenance area in the 1930s. So inmates were obviously not allowed in the maintenance area. (laughs) So when guards like found out and got alerted by this, um, they went to go investigate and couldn't find anyone. Um, Also, all the cells were locked down at that point and no inmates were unaccounted for. So they have no idea who the fuck this was. Um, Clearly, they didn't do their jobs from the 1930s, but (laughs) here we are. Um, what else new? Yeah. So one of the most haunted spots and most active for spirits is the North Wagon Gate. So I s- talked about the North Gate earlier, but yeah. this is what it's called. Um, so it's the oldest part of this prison. So this is, I started to talk with my hands because Holly talks with her hands and now I always watch her. <laughs> and she always plays with her I, I actually was watching you at the beginning. You were like distinctly pointing yeah. while you were talking. I'm like, what is she pointing yeah. at? But you you do that all the time. I know. I'm a very... Yeah. yeah and I think... Uh, so does Stuart. And he fucking knocks yeah. his coffee over every time. And I think it's like watching you. But I was watching you this whole time. I always watch you and you always do that. So now I have it in my head that I have to like talk with my hands. I know. I am very animated. I don't know why I do it. I'm, it's I not a bad Italian thing. somewhere in my heritage. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so yeah, I just realized I was like playing with my finger. And I'm like, I'm Holly right now. Um, <laughs> so this... Um, wagon gate thing this north gate this is where they held um all of their executions and like public hangings so this area has people feeling like very uneasy like they're being watched and the area just feels extremely negative like a lot of the spirits are very angry um evps have captured weird sounds and voices so a gentleman by the name of orville adkins has nothing related to do with orville rudenbacher Um, (laughs) disappointing yeah he was hanged in this spot in 1938 his execution also didn't go as planned oh no yeah so when they went to hang like get ready to hang him he was standing on the trap door and he was about to have like the noose put on his neck um when the person pulling the 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 trap door just fucked their job up and just pulled open the trap door without the noose on his neck um so he fell 20 feet to the stone below oh no yeah we're gonna post a picture his legs um he was severely injured but he was still alive like severely injured yeah so because he was still alive they brought him back up the tower of the north gate and hung him properly that's fucking awful yeah could you imagine like i can't i would say that's arguably more fucked up than anything i've said on this podcast yeah (laughs) can you imagine being so fucking stupid at your job that you can't even hang somebody properly I, like, I almost feel bad for the criminal. Yeah. Obviously. (laughs) That's awful. (laughs) You just had to, like, you went through your execution where you fell to the fucking stone ground below you 
probably oh. shattered your fucking lower body yeah that's all i'm feet. thinking about you're still alive <laughs> you're not fucking dead so your execution just shot him yeah you your, know your execution didn't work and they're just like perfect he's still alive let's hang him so then you had to get hung carry him like back up like yeah. they should have just shot him like, or something like insane. if they were that determined just do it quick you know yeah so it said Ooh. you can hear orville walking back and forth in this area which if you shattered your fucking legs it's great that you can walk now um, yeah yeah so i guess that's a good part of being a ghost um, yeah at least he's not like a you know broken ghost yeah but he's also very <laughs> angry so and i don't blame him i can't blame him no. no not at all um in the basement of the prison there was a room called the sugar shack which reminds me of like the thing called on riverdale if anyone watches it i'm pretty sure there's something called <laughs> the sugar shack on it which is like weird. i feel like there's a sugar shack or there was a sugar shack in toronto too probably like a famous candy store i think so too Maybe they got it from this. Who knows? Um, so it was named by the inmates. So this basement room was named by them. Um, this is where gambling, drug fighting, or sorry, drug fighting. That made a lot of fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote drugs and fighting, but I didn't put a comma there. So I literally just read it as I fucking wrote it. That's so funny. Um, this I wrote my <laughs> script at like midnight. Okay, everyone. <laughs> so there's gambling, drugs, fighting, murder, and rapes. And they all took place in this sugar shack. Um, this room, people will hear, like, someone arguing, and also you can hear whispers. The basement is also said to be haunted by a maintenance man. He was one of those people who, like, spied on inmates, so, like, he would see someone, some inmate doing something, and so he would report what, report whatever he found to, like, the warden. So when uh... inmates found out that this guy was doing that, and they found out who he was, um, they stabbed him in the bathroom with, like, the makeshift knives they make in prison. Um, it said the maintenance man will walk him down the basement halls. He's just stuck That's down there, I. right? I mean, also don't be a rat. So fair, absolutely fair. I'm maybe he had good intentions? Question mark. Or maybe he know. was like paid to do it, like, or he was going to lose his job if he didn't do it. You never know. Yeah. Um, so the North Hall is where the worst offenders were kept. So as I said, it used to be like that kitchen, dining room, chapel area. But when they expanded, they put more cells there. So this area was mainly for inmates who had violent behavior inside of the prison. Um, so not just a violent offender being in prison. Um, these inmates were inside their cells for 23 hours a day. There's no windows in their cell. It's just pitch black. Um, couldn't go to the washroom. If they did, good luck shit in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Probably don't even have clothes. Um so now, even though they were basically, like, fully locked up, magically two murders happened in this area. An inmate by the name of Danny was stabbed in the eye by another inmate. Oh, my God. He ended up dying from his injuries. He, had like, a hemor- wow. like a, he ended up having, like, a brain hemorrhage and died. Yeah. Um, an inmate by the name of William Red Snyder. He was heavily disliked by a lot of the inmates, and he was known to cause a lot of fights between everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, William was in prison for killing his parents and dismembering their bodies oh my god yeah so william had his last fight um with inmates because he got stabbed 37 times while locked up in the cell for 23 hours a day so wow yeah i mean it's dark (laughs) 37 times they must have been really mad um yeah yeah i don't remember if there's like a specific number but there's like uh you could tell like how close someone is or how like mad someone is by the number of stab wounds essentially so like you know one or two is usually like a quick robbery kind of thing but like the more stab wounds the more personal it is kind of thing or like each person got to stab him so like 37 people actually killed him. oh that's interesting too i didn't think of that yeah that's gross (laughs) (laughs) 
um so this hall again is reported to have like cold spots um equipment malfunctions orbs being caught on like photos and cell doors being slammed um so now this whole place sounds haunted at this point but people report cold spots in almost every single area so not just this hall people get touched tapped or pushed like people have been violently pushed in this oh in yeah this prison yeah um they some people smell unpleasant odors um lots of noise probably the fucking overflowing toilet probably i mean that's disgusting um <laughs> It's just like they just have clogged pipes just still. ghost shit. <laughs> yeah. There's just one solid ghost in there reliving his nightmare, and it's just shit after shit after yeah. shit. <laughs> um, so a lot of noises and echoes, um, and just the overall feeling of being watched and very unsettled. Um, it's said that there are a lot of, un- like, restless spirits, and I can't say I blame them for being restless. Yeah. Um, some of the other areas, um, these occurrences happen... Um, are like the psych ward, the chapel, um, the shower, the dining room, also death row. So literally the whole fucking building at this point. Um, There's also a shadow man that has been seen who has obviously like no visible features, but just lurks around the corridors and also is said to be very intimidating, which is like very demonic to me. Yeah. But it sounds like a great place. I want to go. So to me, spirits kind of how do i say this they they appear to be glowing in like a white light yeah whereas demon to me is like black faceless shadow kind of thing yeah does that make sense exactly yeah like there's something very evil there but people have been pushed and shoved so if you do go there i'm sure you'll be safe they run their safe tours and great and i want to go there i want to stay there overnight i'm gonna spend that i would love to stay somewhere haunted remember we were gonna go to kingston pen yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah eventually you guys will get a kingston pen episode but we got to go there first when covid fucks off the, the good news about this whole pandemic is that like i've saved a shit ton of money so like we're gonna go on a really good vacation yeah you're just gonna be allowed to exactly that's it um but yeah this sounds like a great place i want to go bucket list um but that sounds like a really fucked up prison yeah like that's that's yeah that's definitely haunted they were just like yeah we have shops and prison inmates work there so we're immaculate it's great but we have overflowing toilets and three men per cell and people killing each other all over the place yeah. and fucking involuntary decapitations like yeah. and that kind that of like brutal and that kind of like environment when you're sleeping with two other people and the cell is like the size of your closet but that would cause people to get pissed and you're just causing fights and stuff like that and then no that's exactly it so humans aren't meant to be confined like that and like i I understand that's the point of prison is to confine them and take away their rights i get that but then at what point do human rights come into play (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly it's the the whole prison system is very strange to me it's neither right nor wrong and I don't like it. It doesn't make sense to me. As a Libra. As a Libra. Oh, she hasn't said <laughs> like that in a while. I haven't said it in a while. Yeah, you have Someone shirt me for saying it, so I felt like I had to. That's really funny. Because <laughs> I'm a um, Libra. As a Libra. Um, wow, that was fucked up. Thank you. I was hungry, and now I'm not. Yeah. So, <laughs> no. It was the, uh, the, the legs thing for me, because I just, I pictured that. Yeah, no. How that went. That poor guy. Yeah. I'm sorry, sir. Yeah. That doesn't sound fun at all. But if you want to and come with, talk about... Uh, yeah. Let's talk about something fun, maybe. I don't know. Not not breaking legs. No. <laughs> or overflowing toilets. Or that. Yeah, we don't like that. But come help us solve Lindsay's murder. 
yeah yeah let's get to the bottom of that um our instagram is a spooky hour podcast you can find us on twitter at spooky hour and you can email in your spooky tales so if you had any fun ghost stories if you know about any murders if you caused any murders who knows if you caused any if you are a killer (laughs) yeah let us know (laughs) no judgment here until you tell us what the fuck's going on um we might be able to justify it if he cheated on you fine no i'm kidding (laughs) i was like that's a stretch (laughs) you can email in your just crazy fucking stories to us it's the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com and this has been a long one you guys but it's been fun i've had fun i feel this is a giddy episode as fucking dark and gross as it is yeah it's a good episode and i think that means we're in for a good week we are so yeah i hope you guys have a good week yeah and that's it stay spooky stay spooky friends bye bye